You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everyone, Annie here for Showreel, a look at aspects of the Australian film industry. Today we speak with filmmakers Jama Khalifa and Amelia Paxman, who are based in Brisbane. Their short film Lost Contact chronicles the poignant journey of Aldo Donaldo, who is autistic and struggled to speak fluently until the age of 30 as he searches for connection and tries to find a place in this world. It uses a combination of dramatic reenactments, observational footage and live puppetry to enter into the experiences of Aldo's consciousness. Lost Contact has qualified for Oscar consideration after taking out the Best Documentary Prize at this year's St Kilda Film Festival. I caught up with Gemma and Amelia to talk about their extraordinary film and the extraordinary experience of being in contention for an Oscar. Thanks for talking to me. I uh, saw the film today and uh, it's a, you say an awful lot in a very short amount of time. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into filmmaking? Because it's quite clear you're, you're pretty expert. Thanks. I don't know. Um, yeah, you all, I, I always feel like I'm, learning you know um and i have been doing it for for a while i i studied um film and tv as part of my undergraduate degree about 16 years ago um didn't do much with it initially then a bit further down the track um about 10 or 11 years ago i bought a camera started making you know things for fun and then people started to you know offer to pay me to do work and so I kind of did client work for a number of years, um, doing community projects, um, so, you know, vi- videos for, for organisations um, and then um, documentaries really emerged as something I was interested in and I went, um, I decided what I was finding was that it was hard to make time for my own projects doing client work and so I enrolled in a Masters at Griffith Film School in documentary production to push myself to do my own work. And so um, five and a half years later, I, I completed that in a very part-time way. Um, I just completed it at the beginning of the year and Lost Contact was actually the last project that I did as part of the, the Masters. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been good. I've made a few films through the Masters, Happy Android, my last film, which was on the ABC and um, also did Festival Circuit and... Strudel Sisters were all made through the Masters at, at, at Griffith. Um, but, you know, combination of um, education and self-taught, you know, 
Dr. Dr. Google, um, YouTube videos. Mm. How did you get into this, Amelia? Yeah, um, I had, uh, you know, my first introduction to film and TV was actually at school. Um, we had it as a subject, which was kind of unusual um, at the time um, in, um, um, yeah, in early 2000s. Um, yeah, I went on to do a um, Bachelor um, of Film and Screen Media at Griffith. Um, it was hard to kind of to see it you know, as a career because, you know, I was like 17 and I was just like, well, I like this. This seems, you know, like (laughs) something good to do. Um, Yeah, and I've had um, my path was kind of more through um, the documentary industry. So I did a few years of sort of doing research and um, documentary development work for a couple of different production companies Um, and, um, I directed a project for ABC in um, 2014 um, called Crack Up um, and um, that was kind of the first time that I was like, oh, yeah, I actually like directing, you know, like I, this is, I can do it, like I did it because yeah, um, it was a, yeah, it was a, you know, it's a big learning curve the first time you have a major project. Um, yeah, and I've done a bit of, um, similar to Jane, I've done, well, I've done probably much less experience in kind of videography work than Jaina but I do kind of dabble in that sort of um corporate space and I really enjoy it you know working with especially sort of non-profit groups and things like that and um yeah and for me I mean uh, kind of coming into the masters yeah was about making space for creative expression and taking risks and not kind of having a commercial component to a project you know just doing it out of yeah expression and passion and not having to worry about you know, other people going, oh, is there a market for that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Lost Contact is quite an extraordinary film because it's about mental uh, health, but it's also uh, a person's story. Uh, so how did you come to this story? Uh, how did this person allow you to uh, tell his story? And did he collaborate on the script? Because the script is beautiful. Um, I, I actually met Aldo a few years ago on a um, researching another project about hallucinations and hearing voices and kind of these different experiences that people have. Um, and he's just very, he just came across as very knowledgeable and interesting someone to talk to about, you know, some of these themes. Um, and it wasn't until that project kind of didn't, didn't go anywhere. But, yeah, a few years later when, you know, me and Jane were um, in this um, group of course together, and we, yeah, wanted to, you know, find somebody to tell a story about. And I thought, oh, you know, I, this is an interesting guy from a few years ago. I wonder if he'll talk to us. So we decided to meet with him. It was over a video call because I think we were still under pretty heavy restrictions then. And, um, yeah, we just kind of, like, struck a chord with him. And, um, yeah, it was really um it was really interesting. He led us on a very compelling, you know, he's just a very compelling, interesting man and he's got yeah, a lot of different interests. Yeah, Jane, I don't know, did you want to talk about the next part of the question, sort of about Aldo's involvement and collaboration? And Yeah, it was um, a collaborative process making the film. Interesting with the, with, the, with the writing, Amelia and myself were co-creators on the film, so we wrote, directed, produced the film together. And so there was a co-writing process for Amelia and myself, um, but that was very much based on 
our conversations with Aldo and we knew from the outset that we wanted to provide this, his life story with a creative treatment. Um, the kind of That was a creative challenge that we set for ourselves and so it was a matter of finding the best way to creatively treat his story and something that would be authentic to his experience rather than, you know, us imposing our own ideas or um, on, onto his story. So that, that was our process, um, very much responding to Aldo's story. Um, and then we, we were very collaborative with him as well. So we went to him with our ideas to see what he thought and to make sure that they kind of resonated with him as well. And then at the end, like during the filming, we, we kind of, we told him, we didn't tell him everything we were doing because we didn't want him to overthink it um, and we didn't want him to preempt what we were doing. So there was a little bit of withholding of info, but enough info for him to be comfortable. Um, and then at the end, we, um, we showed him basically what we were happy as a, as a final edit. It, it wasn't a final, final cut, but we were basically there. Um, but we wanted to give him an opportunity to, um, to make sure that he was comfortable with the film. And he, in terms of that collaborative process, then responded and said, oh, you know, this, this doesn't feel quite right. You know, can we do something about this? And we were able to, you know, tweak the film. And um, he's really happy with the final outcome. So, um, yeah. yeah it, it's interesting because... Uh, uh... What you're doing is telling a story about something that's invisible. And, of course, film is all about something, obviousness and emotion. So for you to be able to create something that is so compelling, uh, using a combination of uh, uh, potential visuals, so there's reenactments and the puppetry, um, as well as, did you do a long interview with him or what? Or is that his voice? The yes, voice? it is. Yeah, yeah. The, the voiceover is his voice. We did a couple of long interviews, yeah, a couple of one-hour interviews. Right, okay. And then you built what you were going to tell out from U3D what he out of what he told you. Is that what happened? We had yeah. some initial conversations yeah. with him. And before the formal interviews, which informed, you know, those creative treatment ideas and the, and the, the treatment ideas that we developed. Um, and then there was, there was one interview, a sort of a response and rewriting to that, and then a second interview. Um, yeah, so it evolved over time. So it's, I mean, it's fascinating to think that a person who couldn't actually complete sentences by the, when he was in his 30s, until his early 30s, had such a poetic turn of phrase. I mean, yeah. it, it's quite lovely, his, not only his uh, voice, but what he's saying is lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a very, like, philosophical um, person and he's just he's just really interested in other people and the world and different kind of you know systems and these kind of spiritual things as well so he's just kind of eternally curious and engaged and um and very well read as well you know he, he like it's obviously conveyed to some extent in the film but the amount of books in his house 
like cannot cannot really be fully um conceived like they just they go to the ceiling um and they're complex books yeah yeah really like just so meaty um you know tough kind of subjects but um yeah he's um yeah he's he's really fascinating but i think i think you know that that kind of work that he did on himself um and that um like I think that was really um, something that we noticed as well. You know, he, it was kind of this process of um, like almost like self-development and self-actualization that he's constantly doing. Um, well, yeah. he said yeah, it. He said it. Fascinating. Uh, he yeah. said, uh, what is it? Um, everything that happened to me are my credentials for Absolutely. my future yeah. life, which is such a fabulous way of uh, d- describing a meaningful life. Um so tell me about how you decided to uh, visualize it. How did you come yeah, up was... with the fantastic uh, the person who did the puppetry? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So the um the puppetry was um a response to um the kind of paranoia and alienation that he feels in his life. So we commissioned a puppet maker to make a, a you know, a, a lifelike puppet of Aldo, the character in the film. And then we created a, um, a one to 10 scale cardboard version of his apartment. Um, and so the idea there is that there's a, you know, a master of puppets behind the scenes controlling things um, to link into the paranoia that he experiences um, in his life. So yeah, that was kind of a, you know, a collaborative process again with the production design team who did an amazing job with, you know, creating the, the replica of his house. Um, and, yeah, and our cinematographer as well did a, did a really good job um, in how, how I filmed it. He used a probe lens and, yeah, kind of made it look bigger than it actually is. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, also the... Um lovely use of reenactment the child in the water that that analogy it was a, a very sweet analogy it, you how did that come about um that was um a response to although in our early conversations it's not actually in the film but um he he said he said something that really stayed with amelia and myself which was um the the mystic is is no the the paranoid is drowning in oneness and the mystic is swimming in oneness and um so he he sort of expressing how those two things are sort of interconnected um or linked um and that idea of sort of swimming or drowning and those two things being interconnected, interconnected via his spirituality. Um, so we, that's where the idea of having the, the child's version of Aldo, you know, swimming in the water and struggling to stay afloat came about. So it was, yeah, we thought it would be visually evocative and, you know, sort of swimming in that sort of slightly murky water. Um, so, yeah, it was a response to that line really. Um, when, when you did the script... Uh, how much of the script was uh, did cha- did it change at all? Because it seems to me that it's a film that needed to uh, a lot of uh, um, planning to mm. execute. 
Yeah, we did. The script actually did change quite a bit. Like, so, I mean, we were kind of writing it in, um, in lockdown as well, which I think kind of increased the uncertainty of like how, you know, when, how will this, how will the set look, you know, when will this be able to be filmed? But um, yeah, it changed quite a lot. And actually the biggest thing was, I think we had to pare down the different like visual ideas that we had. Like we had a, quite a few different concepts, like, um, you know, variations on kind of what you see on screen, but um, realizing that we kind of just had to simplify it because we didn't want, we didn't want people to watch the film and go, Oh, aren't those filmmakers clever? You know, we want people to kind of to go on an emotional journey and feel really, um, really engaged with the story. So we didn't want to overload it with like frills and we still wanted it to come back to be about Aldo and, and, um, you know, his words and his story. So I think, yeah, I think it was more a process of kind of reduction and simplification Um, and also kind of editing, you know, we had like a lot, a lot, a lot of, um, interview footage from um, Aldo and um, pairing, really figuring out, you know, what, what were the kind of core ideas from that that we thought made narrative sense and building the visual ideas from that. So, yeah, it was definitely kind of shifting, shifting around, but, yeah, particularly early on. Yeah, and, of course, it's all vindicated because you won the St Kilda uh, documentary section of the uh, St Kilda Short Film Festival, which has given you a ticket to the Oscars. Tell me about what that means to you. Yeah, it was exciting to win that award. Um, And, um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, it's an award that qualifies us for consideration for the Oscars in the... um, the best short documentary award. Um, so yeah, that's not something that either of us has qualified for before. So we're just navigating that at the moment, working out um, what it means. We've submitted, you know, via their online portal and the films available for academy members to watch. And now we're in the process of trying to um, promote the film um, and to get get the word out and um, raise awareness so that. Um, people who are in the academy all the, all, all the way over there in Hollywood but also around the world um, start to know about the film. Um, Have you got so, birds? You know, Have you got birds in your house? Sorry, yeah. It's at this time of day at our place, the um, sulphur-crested cockatoos come through and yeah. um, they're, 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 uh, a family friend describes them as the teenagers of the bird world. They're, they're very loud. Yeah. So, um, do you? So, you're trying to promote it. Do you? Does that mean you really want all the different people? You do you have to apply to the different academy members to get them to actually watch it? It's a complicated process, and yeah, one we're just wor- working out. So, there are a lot of rules around what you can and can't do um, because I don't want you know academy members to be bombarded with people harassing them. Um, but you can do things like you know. Um, pay to send emails out, you know, for your, for your consideration emails. Um, and, you know, big studios in Hollywood, they spend actually spend millions of dollars in their sort of promotional campaigns, raising awareness of the film, and they put on, you know, lunches and run Q&As and live event screenings. And we are, you know, very much on a shoestring budget, so we don't have the money to do any of those things. So we're, um, yeah, we just you know, doing doing media where we can, getting the word out and, um, yeah, crossing our fingers. 
So does that mean that um, your film, which is a short, is competing against longer films, or is it? Uh, are they all shorts in your category? Yeah. yeah. So it'll be it'll be in the short in the short um, documentary category, but it still will be competing against films that are like 30, 40 minutes long. So yeah, it's absolutely you know it's a wide spectrum of um, short films. Ours at um, yeah, ours twelve minutes. So um, it'll probably be, you know, shorter films in there as well. So, yeah, it's it's a broad spectrum of short films, but it's certainly within that short film category. So how many films would be on the, that uh, would they need to actually, uh, are in contention? I don't know. No, I, I don't know exactly. There are, I think there's about 70 um film festival awards that will qualify you for the best short documentary category. Um, so, but then you can also qualify for that category um, through a process called forewalling, which is, you know, um, basically you, you need to have screened the, the, the film in specific cinemas, I think in LA. Um, I don't totally understand that part of it. Um, so you can, if you screen there, then you can also um, qualify. Um, but so we've qualified from here. There's um, there's a shortlisting process um, and then the official nominations and the final awards. So it's, yeah, it's a long road, but it's good to, to be here and hopefully um, we make it to shortlisting where, yeah. you know, competing against some really, you know, some high-end productions from, yeah, major major production companies and and so on but you know you've got to be in it to win it so yeah well uh congratulations on the film i um i watched it and i was uh it was over almost before i realized how much of an experience it was like you said it's 12 minutes long but it's um it really does is extremely poetic and really does succeed in divulging a person's life. I think it's actually a little triumph, personally. I'm not surprised you won. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's, yeah, that's great to hear that. Yeah, I really appreciated it. And I really appreciate that much skill devoted to someone who is, uh, he, that description of him uh, lost in the uh, housing um the, the uh, living in um, rooming houses. People should watch this film just for that description of his realisation of him being a lost boy, effectively. It's, it's really uh, extraordinary. Uh, you've done a great job and thanks very much for talking to me and good luck. Thanks, Annie. Thanks for um, having us on your program. We really appreciate it. That's it for Showreel this week. We've been chatting with filmmakers Jamar Khalifa and Amelia Paxman about their film Lost Contact, which is in contention for the Oscars in the short documentary section this year. Before I go, just a reminder that the Melbourne Queer Film Festival is running from November 18th to the 29th, celebrating 31 years. The festival is online at the Jam Factory, Acme and Nova this year. Go to the website for information about opening and closing night tickets and all things MQFF. Talk to you next week. Keep safe. Bye for now.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.